the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We could have changed the name. If you're a regular listener to this show, you know that Fridays are kind of special because we give out an award. Well, today I thought about calling it Pervert of the Week, but then eh, decided to just stick with tradition. And now it's time for the Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. Now, in 2024, uh, our winner might not be considered a pervert. Some people actually, with a straight face, consider him a woman, even though he's made it clear to everybody uh, in the swimmer's changing room that he's a man. His name is Nicholas Cepeda. He also has a female alias, but we'll go with Nicholas. He's the 50-year-old man in Ontario who decided a while ago that he's a 13-year-old girl, so he decided to enter swimming competitions against them. Of course, he also decided to enter their locker rooms and change into his swimsuit there, which makes the 13-year-old girls kind of uncomfortable, you would think. But it doesn't make Swim Ontario or Swim Canada, the organizations running the uh, competition, uncomfortable. They they think it's perfectly okay. They wouldn't dare put the feelings of a bunch of silly 13-year-old girls ahead of a 50-year-old man who says he's a 13-year-old girl. Kind of makes you wonder where the fathers of these girls are. Maybe they all qualify for an award, but we don't know their names, so we're going to give it to just one guy. So Nicholas Cepeda is the AM1250 The Answer Jerk of the Week. And when we come back, we're going to talk to a guy who might be Justin Trudeau's biggest pain in the butt. He works for Rebel News, a media outlet that is hated by the people in power up there. He went to the facility where this swim meet was being held and made a 911 call to report a pervert in the uh, in the girls' locker room. He'll tell you about his meeting with the cops, and it was pathetic. And in our second half hour, the big guy made a big announcement today about how he's going to save the world from climate change. And we'll have H. Sterling Burnett of Heartland Institute here to ridicule it. Stick around. Well, by now, uh, you've probably heard about the 50-year-old man. His name is Nicholas Cepeda. He just achieved mortality uh, by... uh, uh, being immortality, I should say, by being named the AM1250, uh, the answer jerk of the week a few minutes ago. He's the 50-year-old man in Canada who's been allowed to swim against and share a locker room with 13-year-old girls. Not only is he being allowed, he's being protected by the cops. David Menzies, a reporter for Rebel News and a major pain in the butt for Justin Trudeau, found that out, and he joins us now. David, thanks for coming on. My pleasure, sir. Honored to be on your show. So, uh, your report from the building, uh, I don't know when it was. it was, I know it was recently, but your report from the building where this swimming uh, stupidity is on parade was amazing. 
you included in, uh, a 911 call uh, that you made to the police up there. I'll let you take it from there and tell us what happened. Yes, um, it, John, it, the story dates back to uh, October when we were first tipped off that there was this 50-year-old swimming and incredibly changing and showering with minors. He's one of the, he says he's a trans woman, but uh, we have confirmed he's got all his male junk uh, still firmly attached. And um, basically, uh, he is getting away with this, even though World Aquatics, which is the sport's international governing body, they say they shouldn't, this shouldn't be happening. Last year, they introduced an open category to accommodate trans people, I should point out, John, that at the World Swimming Championships in Berlin last October, precisely zero transgender athletes showed up to take advantage of that new category, um, which suggests, at least to me, that there's something more going on than just being able to swim, i.e., I think, getting into female safe spaces. Right. So um, we uh, tracked him down. Uh, to the Pan Am uh, Sports Centre in Toronto last weekend where he was competing. And instead of Swimming Canada and Swim Ontario, the local swimming jurisdictions, doing something to end this, they are bending over backwards to accommodate him. Now, we, we were hoping to scrum him going in uh, to the, uh, the pool, uh, my cameraman, Efren, and I, we got there at like before six in the morning and um, we did not see him come in. We learned later that Swim Ontario uh, smuggled him in to another entrance. But like you said in the preamble, it gets even worse. Not only is Swim Ontario and their security guard henchmen running interference for this, they actually got members of the Toronto Police Service, several cruisers, several officers to come down, make sure this guy wasn't going to be accosted. And by accosted, John, I mean not physically, of course. We don't advocate violence against anyone. Right. But rather, right now, it seems that impolite or insensitive questions uh, cannot be tolerated in this country any longer. And in addition to protecting him with police, um, the police were shutting down the practice of journalism. If your listeners go to the, the video report, you will see Toronto police actually lying about the property line of the Pan Am Centre. I and my cameraman were on a sidewalk, and the street is a, uh, a public road, and they were originally saying that that was Pan Am property too until a security guard thankfully corrected them and said, no, they're right, meaning Efren and I that this is public. And what I did, I tried to make a complaint about this individual because there's two statutes, John, of the Criminal Code of Canada, namely 173.1, which is indecent exposure, and 173.2, which is even worse because it's indecent exposure to a minor. And they would not have it. They literally turned their backs on me. So I phoned 911. We have that on camera as well. I spoke to a nice um, dispatch officer. She dispatched two police. I don't know the status of the investigation. I thought they would have called me by now. But, um, yeah, welcome to Justin Trudeau's Canada, where a, um, you know, a radical trans activist 
uh, insists that he get to swim, shower, and change with 13-year-old girls, even though he should be accommodated by swimming in another category. And in terms of the showering and changing, John, he could go into the all-gender bathroom, which does exist. Um, But apparently, nope, uh, that's not good enough for him. He is a her, uh, and therefore he has the entitlement to demand he changes in a washroom, in a change room, uh, with real biological teenage minors. It is despicable. Yeah, now, uh, I did see that the the Pan Am Center there um, banned media. So I don't know how much more interest there is from other media besides Rebel News, but they they were banning media. And just so people, where can people find that video report? Because it's it's really amazing to see. Yes, um, I I guess most um, readily available at rebelnews.com, and we have a YouTube channel, Rebel News YouTube. And you bring up a great point. Imagine that, I mean... Toronto uh, paid endless millions of dollars for the nothing burger that what I called the pan scam games back in 2015. But that is a taxpayer funded facility, John. And they drew up a trespass notice uh, for me. Why? What was I doing? Vandalizing the Coke machine? No, I was just practicing journalism. And they also used the police as private couriers. The cops came with to me, it's all on film, with the trespass notice. I mean, you know, John, if you were involved in civil litigation, whatever it is, maybe a small claims court action, would you be able to hire a Pittsburgh police officer as a process server no. and say, yeah, deliver this to Jack Smith? It's an unbelievable uh, waste of police resources and time. Yeah, I, in the video, you see the three or four cops come out. With a, a guy wearing a security uh, a jacket that says security on it, and uh, it, they blow you off so fast, they, they, they go over the trespassing thing with you, and then it's established that you are on the street and you're not on the Pan Am property, so they, you're not trespassing. But immediately when you say, hey, what about the pervert in the locker room? You have a 50-year-old man in there with a bunch of 13-year-old girls, they... No reaction. They turn and walk away. And then I notice the security guard, he just waves. Goodbye. So they don't want to even... And and you had... I think you say to them on the video, hey, when you give them the the law, the the code for the law that you just mentioned here, you say that to them, and there's indecent exposure going on in there, and they just turn around and walk away. Absolutely. Just couldn't be bothered. Um, Just another black eye for the Toronto Police Service. A few weeks ago, John, I should tell you, this made front page news. Um, We have, like so many other cities, the pro-Hamas people uh, congregating for demonstrations, calling for uh, death to Jews, genocide, the annihilation of the uh, Jewish state of Israel. And um, you had police officers... Uh, delivering coffee and donuts to these, uh, I call them thugs. And contrast that two years ago, uh, John, with the trucker convoy in Ottawa. Peaceful protesters were getting arrested. They were being put, in some cases, into solitary confinement. And if you were just a Joe Blow regular citizen who had the audacity 
to donate as much as $20 to the GoFundMe campaign for the Freedom Convoy, you had your bank account frozen. So on one hand, um, you're put in jail, uh, you're economically penalized at a peaceful freedom protest, but if you're espousing death and genocide, the cops will deliver you coffee and donuts because we don't want anyone to get cold and hungry yeah. as they're occupying a bridge, you see. Yeah, and and, and cheering for Hamas. Um, so uh, you got arrested on Monday, right? Oh, this was a couple of Mondays ago. This okay. was by a uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Henchman, as I call him. Uh, I was trying to scrum the Deputy Prime Minister, Christian Freeland, at an event in well, Richmond Hill, where excuse, I live. Yeah, excuse me, David. And, I, I know what you mean by scrum, but some people listening may not. When you say you yes, were, and, and I, it, it shouldn't be confused with a rugby scrum, where yeah, you're actually yeah, yeah. getting into a, a, <laughs> yeah. a big physical huddle. Um, no, that just means I'm walking and asking questions right. as uh, Minister Freeland is walking along. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, a, a video. John, I should say, it's been our most viral video ever, uh, more than 15 million views on Twitter, oh, or wow. X, as it's called. And, um, and for good reason. What happened is, uh, you know, and if they say a picture says a thousand words, mm-hmm. a video says a million, I should think. Mm-hmm. And basically, there was a um, Mountie uh, waiting in ambush so that when I was walking along, and with all due respect, I felt him before I saw him, which means... You can see at the nine-second mark of the video, he puts out his arm like a clothesline. I walk into it because my, my eyes are laser-focused on Freeland. And then an utter stitch-up, a frame-up occurs where the Mountie uh, professes that I assaulted him and I am under arrest. He's got no badge number on. He's got no uniform. He's playing clothes. And I was arrested and put in the back of a York Regional Police uh, police cruiser. And it looked to and me, I David, say, it, excuse me, it looked to me like he purposely stopped so you would run into him. Correct. That's what the video shows. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't even see it before I felt him. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I can tell you, if this happened in your neck of the woods, John, with your glorious First Amendment, mm-hmm. I would say this is a multi-million dollar a lawsuit. We are suing them, but our, our our awards, our damages are far far lower in Canada, mm-hmm. and we're so we're suing him, uh, Minister Freeland, and the York Regional Police for several things, from false arrest to um, malicious prosecution. Yeah. Now, what I saw in the video uh, was that he, I thought that he didn't he grab you and kind of put you up against the wall and say you just assaulted me. You're under arrest after you bumped into Correct. him when he purposely stopped. Yes, and he's literally twisting my arm. And uh, I am asking, uh, uh, what is your name and what is your badge number? He will not give this to me. This is the second time, John, this has happened to me. Uh, The first was even more egregious, if you can believe it. It didn't quite go as viral, though. But in December of 2021, uh, my cameraman, Lincoln Jay, and I, we were on a sidewalk outside a restaurant. And the context at the time was Prime Minister Trudeau was saying to Canadians, don't get together during COVID, it's, uh, for Christmas that is, it's way, way too dangerous. Meanwhile, just two weeks before Christmas, he is organizing a $1,700 a plate fundraiser at a restaurant where literally the uh, donors and the mainstream media are packed in like sardines, no social distancing. So my question to the Prime Minister was, 
um, you know, uh, can you kindly explain the double standard? Now, his motorcade rolls up, eight SUVs, all of which are fossil fuel burning, right. <laughs> you know, Chevy Suburbans, of course. you know, <laughs> and keep the engine running, by the way, even though we're yeah. all supposed to be taking out a second mortgage to buy an EV car. Right. But anyways, you're always thinking, which one is he going to get out of? And then to my shock, um, these guys, again, plain clothes, no badge, no names. They grab me. They drag me down the sidewalk. They go to where a wooden fence is. They literally bounce my head off the fence. Uh, my watch got broken. My hands got bloody. The re- reason why that's more egregious, Sean, is that I kept saying, what's going on here? I was never under arrest. You know, usually if a police officer wants to get handsy on you, he says you're under arrest. And then if you resist arrest, well, you know, good luck, because now the officer can get physical. But there was no arrest because there was no crime. We were standing on a sidewalk hoping to scrum the prime minister. So this is there's a lawsuit about that, too, I might add. But this is the second time this has happened. And, John, I just want to say that they know who I am. And even if they don't know who I am, they can see my Rebel News mic flash. Um, I'll play devil's advocate here. If I was some guy wearing camouflage fatigues and a full balaclava and I had a cylindrical object in my pant pocket, right, I would fully expect to be gang tackled if the prime minister or some other senior cabinet ministers are in the area. But that was not the case. Well, and I know, too, uh, and we're talking to David Menzies. He's a reporter for Rebel News, and you can find him at rebelnews.com. Um, I only have a couple of minutes left here, but you say that they know who you are. They not only know who you are, they don't like you. And and so <laughs> yeah. when you were removed in that situation, it had nothing to do with security and everything to do with, there's that David Menzies guy, let's get him out of the way here. He's going to ask a difficult question, correct? That's it. It looks like in Justin Trudeau's Canada... And again, we um, live here without the beautiful First Amendment. Mm-hmm. Um, questions are now weaponized, at least in the eyes of the government or in the radical trans community. If you're going to ask an insensitive or impolite question, according to them, John, um, that is akin to assault. So journalism will be shut down if it's a government official being queried. Journalism will be shut down and a letter of trespass Uh, to a public facility drawn up if you dare offend the rights of a transgender person who is a 50-year-old biological male pretending to be a 13-year-old girl and getting away with it, even though that violates World Aquatics rules. I have about a little bit less than a minute left here, David. Uh, How difficult is it for conservative media up there, especially Rebel News, but any conservative outlet? It's extremely difficult. The mainstream media has been bought and paid for by the government, literally, John. Uh, the CBC, twas ever thus, they got more than a billion dollars a year in taxpayer welfare. But in the last few years, all the mainstream media outlets, because they're struggling, <clears throat> have been get, receiving more than $700 million. And the independent media that is not on the government dole, such as Rebel, well, um, now the government has gone from the carrot to the stick, which is to say they're introducing censorship bills and laws where um, they can uh, remove you from social media platforms. Uh, It is absolutely Orwellian. Uh, You're either there. The media here is either bought and paid for 
Or if you are independent like we are and you're not one of their trained SEALs, they're going to go after you with legislation. Again, you know, I think, John, the most beautiful documents on the planet are your Constitution and Bill of Rights. Mm -hmm. I know that's under attack by your American Marxists there. Oh, you know, these are just dusty old documents written by old white men who own slaves. Uh Uh-uh. Never let those documents uh, expire. And that's why... Always defend them. Yep, that's why I have you on, because it's a warning for America. David, we'll keep in touch. Uh, it's rebelnews.com. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, John. And one last thing, if anyone wants to, we're crowdfunding my legal case, because we have a Herculean task. It's standwithdavid.com. That's standwithdavid.com. Uh, if anyone has it, All right. the ability to make a donation, that'd be great. Very good. Thank you, David. We'll, we'll Thank be, you, John. We'll be right back. Well, the big guy is uh, busy with wars around the world, making sure the borders stay open, but uh, he wasn't too busy to save the planet for your kids and your grandkids. He released a statement uh, this morning and said, in part, um, quote, My administration is announcing today a temporary pause on pending decisions of liquefied natural gas exports, with the exception of unanticipated and immediate national security emergencies, During this period, we will take a hard look at the impacts of LNG exports on energy costs, American energy security, and our environment. This pause on new LNG approvals sees the climate crisis for what it is, the existential threat of our time. So what does this mean? I think that's a good question for H. Sterling Burnett, Managing Editor at Heartland Institute, and he joins us now. Sterling, thanks for coming on again. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, and this is right up your alley here. So, you know, yeah. just take off yes, and run yes, with it. Yes, yes, what it means. Well, it means that uh, Biden, uh, he handled the script well this time. Uh, he wrote, uh, he read what people wrote for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has no basis in fact. And he's once again putting America last. And more important, you know, as importantly, he's putting our allies last. Let's let's recount a few things. First off, no evidence there's an existential threat to humanity from climate change. Hurricanes aren't increasing. Droughts aren't increasing. Uh, floods aren't increasing in number or severity for any of these things. That's what the data shows, not what headlines bleed, but what the data shows. So you have to show me evidence of the existential threat, and the data doesn't. Yeah. The more important factor is, since he came into office... He has undermined our energy security from day one. He's made us more dependent on China for all of our energy needs. He's made us dependent on slave and child labor through his policies. He passed laws like the, the, the laughingly called uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which funds green technologies. And it has domestic content components saying it must be made here in America. It must come from America. And that every time... You can't get the technology in America. He weighs that provision so we can get them from China. No. Uh, the EV chargers, they're all going to come from China. Mm-hmm. Ch- China is soon to be the biggest EV car seller in the world. And Biden's waving, waving domestic buy provisions left and right. And now uh, he cut off. <laughs> so under, let's, let's look at under Trump. Under Trump, he said no to the Russian gas pipeline to Europe. He said, we won't support it. We won't fund it. We'll fight it. 
Biden comes into office, immediately approves the Russian gas pipeline, giving Russia the upper hand. Of course, we know uh, that helped fund the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're now funding a war. Uh, the pipeline was blown up. What, another thing Biden did is he blocked the pipeline from Israel through Europe to Central Europe. Uh, Trump had supported it. Biden rejected it. Trump expanded natural gas exports dramatically, approving export terminals, creating jobs in America, uh, growing the economy. Biden has done nothing but hamper these things. Um, And now he's basically through executive fiat saying, sorry, allies in Europe who are begging us for American natural gas. Sorry, people around the world who we could sell natural gas to instead of the Russians, uh, we're going to cut off our supplies. We're going we're to reduce the flow. We're going to prevent additional, uh, uh, additional um, inventory from coming on the market. Why? Because, of an exis- because we're fighting an existential threat that no one can show exists. Yeah, and so, uh, the, the president disagrees with you, though, Sterling. He said in I'm, his I'm sta- aware of that. He said in his statement, this must be true, and you, you covered this, uh, in every corner of the country and the world, people are suffering the devastating toll of climate change, historic hurricanes and floods wiping out homes, businesses and houses of worship, wildfires destroying uh, whole neighborhoods and forcing families to leave their communities behind, record temperatures affecting the lives and livelihoods of millions of Americans, especially the most vulnerable. I mean, you mean are you telling me that that's not true, that he, doesn't, he can't prove any of that? Oh, no. Uh, it's part of it's true. Hurricanes do damage homes and yeah. take lives. Wildfires do damage homes and take lives. You know, this is happening in America and around the world. But he's acting like it's never happened before. It happens every year. That's why we have something called a hurricane season. That's why we have something called a wildfire season. It happens every year. But what the data is very clear on is it's not getting worse. That's no. what would show you. Long-term data showing an uptick in wildfires, showing an uptick in hurricanes, showing an uptick in flooding, showing an uptick in deaths, all things they can't show, they don't show, that would be at least indicative of climate change. It's not there. Humans are, are not dying in greater numbers from extreme weather events or temperatures. In fact, both of those are declining. Fewer people are dying from extreme weather events or uh, extreme temperatures. So he can he can rightly point out that people do die from these things. He can't say climate change is making it worse because it's not. That's just not the evidence. And I'm not the only one that says this. It's what the data shows. It's what even the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, when you read their down in their documents, not their political not their political executive summary, but when you read down their documents, they say uh, weak evidence, no evidence, no proof of attribution, again and again. Yeah, now here's the thing. Um, He he mentioned the wildfires just in the last week. Maybe it happened this week. um, Canada arrested uh, a couple of people for multiple for arson uh, on multiple forest fires, some of those that we dealt with over the summer when here in Pittsburgh we had um, what looked like cloudy days and it was smoke from the fires up in Canada. And surprisingly enough, 
climate change had nothing to do with them. But that's all we heard when, no. they, when they were burning. Yeah, now it's a couple of factors contributed to Canada's wildfires. We've written about this. First off, they've had uh, more rain, so they've had more forest growth. Canada reduced its uh, logging. So you had more growth, more timber, you had good growing conditions, and then they had a drought. Well, droughts occur every so often, and they didn't have the roads or the timber thinned enough to fight the fires when they occurred. And, of course, what sparked the fires? Part of, partly was a drought, partly was arsonist. One guy either set 14 or 19 fires himself, and what was he? An environmental activist that wanted more government action on climate change. Yep. Yeah, I saw that. He was a, He's an activist, and he's, I think he set the fires in Quebec, uh, and that's where a, a, a lot of smoke came from, for, and it went all over the place. So yeah. um, I, I, you, you mentioned that our allies, and um, it's one thing for how much natural gas we're going to export, but if we're not exporting it, as you mentioned, they ain't importing it. And where are they going to get their natural gas? Speaking of families, they're going to be suffering. Well, what they'll do is they'll end up getting it roundabout from, from Russia. They've stopped buying directly from Russia. It'll just be sold to India and China, who's buying it. And if they bid higher from India and China, rather than burning it domestically, they'll sell it on. Gas, gasoline, oil, they're all fungible commodities. So in the end, we're hurting ourselves. We're helping Russia. We're, uh, we're hurting our European allies. Biden says, oh, well, national emergency and national security, our security is undermined when we can't develop our gas and oil resources, and he's blocking that every chance he can. Our allies are harmed. They came to us after the war started. They said, look, we're all in this with you supporting Ukraine, but we've got to have energy supplies from somewhere. And by, oh, we're going to deliver. Oh, good old U.S. natural gas. We're pumping it out as fast as we can from the terminals, which is true. But there are more terminals required, more terminals requested, more terminals planned, and he just pulled the rug out from under all of that. Yeah, that, that's what it says. He's saying uh, it's a, a temporary pause on pending decisions of liquefied natural gas exports. So what you're saying is he's putting a pause on the things you just referred to. The, the, yeah, um, people, people have put billions of dollars into these terminals. They've been in the planning stages, or the construction stages for years. They have to go through permitting to get constructed, to get pipelines built, to get rail cars, rail lines built. Uh, it's a long-term process. They have to go through multiple permits from both local and federal governments at multiple agencies, including finally a permit to export the gas. And Biden has said, well, we don't care about your investments. We don't care about U.S. labor workers. Uh, because, you know, pipeline fitters are, are, are uh, union. Uh, all these, you know, he doesn't care about any of that. Yeah. What well, he cares about is the existential crisis that can't be shown. Yeah, that can't because be Because that's the talking points. That's the talking points he was given. Now, uh, just speak, I, I just saw this uh, um, today, and I was looking at some other stuff pertaining to this statement that he made. Um, I saw this. It said, natural gas in 2022 in Great Britain... They paid $251 per, I guess it's megawatt hour. Uh, here in the United States, we pay $61. So they're already paying $251 per uh, MWH, um, and that's going to be going up. That's going up. 
Uh, you know, now, to be fair, that's not just Biden's fault. It's their mm-hmm. own fault. They've got gas reserves they haven't developed. Yeah. They bought into all this green BS that, you know, they make California look soft on the environment over there in Europe. And so they've left themselves in a hole. You know, what, what's Germany's answer to this? Uh, Germany, who's been the leader on all the IPCC, all the, all the climate stuff in Europe, Germany and France are the leaders. What's Germany's answer? Well, we are, we're building wind and solar, and that when that fails, we, we've shut down our nuclear plants because we're afraid somehow a tsunami is going to hit them because it hit in Japan. Right. I, I'm not aware of uh, Germany ocean. being a coastal island yeah. uh, where their nuclear plants are threatened. And so what are they doing? They're leveling the village to start coal mining and reopening coal plants. Um, it's, it, it is amazing. You know, it, and what is France doing? Well, France is doubling down on nuclear. At least that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But uh, the point is, their prices are much higher than ours. If we want to be like Europe and see deindustrialization, where companies leave their shores, leave their borders for places where they can get energy, natural gas, chemicals cheaper, that's what's happening there. Uh, then we should follow their example. But if we if, if we don't want blackouts every summer like California, um, then we shouldn't follow Europe's or California's example. And we should invest in good old USA, natural gas, coal, things that we have control of. We don't have control of rare earth minerals that were required to make um, uh, the green technologies, the solar panels, the batteries for the EVs, the, the magnets for the uh, wind turbines. We don't control that. China does. The more we invest in that, the more we are beholden to China. That's the national security threat, not climate change. We're talking to H. Sterling Burnett, managing editor at the Heartland Institute. Uh, He also said this, Sterling, uh, I can't believe you don't believe this, but here's what he said. Uh, From day one, my administration has set the United States on an unprecedented course to tackle the climate crisis at home and abroad, securing the largest climate investment in the history of the world, unlocking clean energy breakthroughs that will power a clean economy and create thousands of jobs, advancing environmental justice, whatever that is for all, and rallying world leaders to transition away, here we go, from the fossil fuels that jeopardize our planet and our people, unquote. This is the President of the United States saying this. Once again, uh, the first part of his present speech is, is, you know, the, the first part of his talking points is true. His administration has done more than any U.S. administration in history to bring us to our knees energy-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's done more. He can't define what environmental justice is. Uh, he can't show that climate change is disparately impacting uh, the poor, the middle class, uh, those in disadvantaged neighborhoods because it ain't, because climate hasn't changed the weather. Um, the clean energy economy, what he didn't say is the clean, cheap economy, because he hasn't made anything cheaper. A few people, a few of your listeners may have noticed that things are more expensive, much more expensive now than when Biden came to office. There's no, uh, that's not a coincidence. He, his policies have increase the prices of everything. Yeah. The inflation is caused by the Inflation Reduction Act and the other policies that they passed. Government spending causes inflation. It increases the money supply. And at the same time, 
he's been cutting off energy. He's the, the price of energy has gone up, uh, and and he's doing doing every, he's right. He's done everything more than any other administration to to make this happen. So let's face it: the prices you pay at the pump, which are cheaper now than they were a year ago, but not cheaper than they were under Trump. That's on Biden. Mm. That's the Biden. That's the inheritance of the Biden economy: higher f- fuel prices, which feed into food. So higher food prices. Fuel also goes into making clothing, so higher clothing prices, higher every price. Well, That's the Biden economy. That's his green vision for the world, well, making I'm, people make do with less. And I'm out of time. I wish I had more time, but I have less. And uh, I really appreciate you <laughs> coming on, as usual, uh, Sterling, and clearing this up for us. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks for having me on. Take uh, care, sir. Okay, that's H. Sterling Burnett. At the Heartland Institute. I'll be right back. So I don't know if you've noticed uh, uh, it or not, but there seem to be quite a few people coming over our border in the south here lately. And uh, if you've seen the video, you've, you've probably noticed that a lot of them look like they're not women and children, and they're military-aged men. Well, some couple of guys with the some former FBI guys said uh, that that's really a problem, and that the government, uh, meaning Joe Biden, is not doing enough about it. I'll tell you who these guys are in a second. But it, it, here's what they said in a letter in 2021: the demographics of these cross of those crossing the porous southern boundary started to shift. Young men from around the world traveling alone and holding questionable motivations dramatically increased in number to become the most common profile of those breaching the nation's borders. A startling number have been found on the terrorist watch list or are from uh, countries designated as state sponsors of terror. This is particularly alarming in light of the Hamas terror attack in Israel on October 7th Those of us who have fought terrorism know that historically successful terror attacks invite mimicry. We know as well that terror leaders intentionally cultivate throngs of young men possessing a certain easily manipulated personality type to carry out atrocities. Now, these are two guys from the, uh, with a lot of experience on this stuff. Kevin Brock, assistant director of intelligence, uh, former Bureau of Investigation, Federal Bureau of Investigation, he's retired, and uh, also Chris Swecker, he's an assistant director of Criminal Investigative Division of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, retired. These people who are coming across the border are not coming here, not not most of them anyway, because they're looking for the American dream. They're looking to blow it up. And these guys know it, and boy, it's getting scarier every day. I'll talk to you on Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.